Hello, and welcome back to the Point and Laugh podcast with your hosts, Skylar and Kaylin. Um, so I have a few things to discuss. I was reading um, the New Yorker today. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, I've been on... <laughs> Sorry, I just said this in my head and I realized how um, stupid I sound, but I've been on a bit of a social media cleanse. <laughs> Except not really, not even really a cleanse. I'm just like, I don't have any social media on my phone. Um, I just have it on my iPad. So like, I still do have like TikTok and Instagram and like Twitter and stuff, but I only have it on my iPad. So that way I have to be more like intentional when I want to go on it. Um, and I really haven't been on TikTok at all. Like Instagram's kind of the only one that I, I go on occasionally. Um, but anyway, because of that, I'm not like super in tune with like what is happening on the internet um and i'm God, curious I wish that were you <laughs> what huh i messed up my own <gasps> meme i what was so i was like god i wish that were me instead oh, i went god i wish that were you huh huh <laughs> um yeah so i'm not like super in tune what's what's going on in the internet but i was reading um an article in the new yorker this morning um and it was all about have you I'm interested to see if you've heard of this. Um, Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner are dating, maybe? I heard rumors about that, but I was convinced because, like, fool me once TikTok by telling me that Kanye West and Jeffree Star (laughs) might have had sex. You're never going to fool me again. So, like, those that coupling is one of those, like, Mm -hmm. ultra-random couples where you're just like, I didn't... It's like Macaulay Culkin and Brenda's song, where you're like, I didn't know you two knew each other. Yeah, that you're, like, in the same, like... World. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just a rumor. Like, nothing's been confirmed, um, but it was... The news broke on Dumois, um, which, if you don't know what Dumois is, it's, like, an Instagram account, um, specifically for, like celebrity gossip oh my god it's like gossip girl yeah yeah kind of kind of and apparently a few sources have um have claimed that they are in fact dating and that they're going to coachella together um all of those sources are chris jenner (laughs) yeah no there was literally there (laughs) was jenner with a mustache chris jenner with a hat (laughs) there was um oh my god wait okay actually i have to pull it up because it was so funny let me see if i have it oh not me on um Colton Ryan's uh, <laughs> playbill. Why doesn't Colton Ryan be in better movies? He's too talented for this. Um, okay, actually, speaking of, I am like on a like Colton Ryan kick right now. Alice Just... by Heart. Alice by Heart. Have you listened to it? No. Motherfucker. I know what we're doing. I know what we're doing and you can't stop me. Okay, Bye-bye. no, just like the, the past couple of days, I... He has my heart. He has my heart. I don't know why. I'm, like, obsessed with Colton Ryan. But I've just been, like, on YouTube, like, watching every single video of him singing that Mm -hmm. I can, like, possibly find. There's a clip of him singing um, Maria. (gasps) It's so good. It's so good. It's so... Um, It's it's almost embarrassing how, like, singing Maria from West Side Story is, like, every Broadway man's, like... It has to be in your repertoire. Literally every Broadway man who's given a shit can sing Maria... And it's like it's like level one. Like, are you are, can you handle the Broadway world? Sing Maria, and yeah. just to Ansel Elgort not do it. It's it's like I've never heard someone do it bad. It's kind of, until Mr. Elgort himself with his fucking quivering bottom lip. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, there's um there's just a tweet and it says Chris Jenner submitting the confirmation to Dumois that Timothy and Kylie are dating, and it's that meme of her. Um, oh my God, sorry guys. Yeah, it's that meme. <laughs> She's it's that in picture bed. of her in a robe, laying in bed on her phone. 
It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I was just, I don't know, I was just curious if you had yeah. had heard of that or it, what's what's going on in the internet. Because apparently the internet broke, a- according to this fucking article. It didn't break. It didn't break. Because <laughs> I don't believe it. I mean, I'll believe it when I fucking see it naturally. But I just, it feels like, I don't know, I, more disbelieving. Because I remember when people, when the news broke that Pete Davidson and, and Kim Kardashian were together. And people mm. were like, how? And I'm like, what do you mean? What the fuck do you mean, how? It's like, wh- it was like, what does Pete Davidson see in Kim Kardashian? I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. She, well, he has eyes. And I don't, I don't take Pete Davidson for like someone who's like, oh yeah, no, she coincides with my, mo- he just, with yeah, my people, moral. He just seems like a guy. People put Pete Davidson on this pedestal that frankly, I don't think he belongs. Like he's just a tall kind, like kind of ugly, but kind of hot. Like he's that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. He has that look that like a lot of, a lot of people are into. But, and, and Timothy but, Chalamet, oh, sorry, I did not mean to totally cut you off. No, that's okay. I mean, that was basically what, what I was going to say, but people put, people put him on this pedestal and I'm like, have you, I have never, I mean, to be fair, I'm not like watching interviews with Pete Davidson in my free time, but like he, do, he doesn't give me the impression that he's some like, I don't, he's on some moral, like, higher ground than, mm-hmm. like, your average fuckboy, you know? His most famous ex is Ariana Grande, and he's exclusively dated models, so that wasn't a fucking stretch. Yeah. someone's like, well, what do Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian talk about? I'm like, you severely um, are underestimating the power of a hot woman telling a man that he's funny. Also, Kim Kardashian is smart. Like, I you know, listen, I have my opinions on Kim Kardashian, as we all do, but, like, she's an intelligent woman like she 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 really is and i feel like a lot of people like don't give her that credit um yeah yeah and then like even like justice justice for kim no i'm kidding she can do her own justice she's in she's in court (laughs) it's true Um, i mean like with with, but with timothy chalamet and and um kylie i'm genuinely i'm like okay well we know that timothy isn't above making out with hot people but then i'm just like it's one thing for you to be Pete Davidson and just be like an everyman like comedian dating mm-hmm. like one of the most famous like supermodels in the world. It's another thing to be like um, indie darling actor who talks about like the planet is dying. Yeah. <laughs> the polar ice caps are melting, smoking a, a cigarette with a thing of black coffee in the middle of Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, they're very different they vibes. Yeah, they're definitely very different vibes. So I don't know. I didn't, did did Timothy Chalamet was he the one who like uh, allegedly single handedly gave an entire NYU campus chlamydia? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was him. Okay, good, good. That's yeah. That's There's I mean, he justice. definitely he gives slut vibes like a little bit for sure. <laughs> um, he should. I have my I have my beverage of the episode to try. I think I think I'm gonna make this a. Sorry. A thing? A th- uh, yeah, I, I was in the middle of saying it, and I was like, who cares? Who you're cares? like, I'm going to do a social media cleanse, and every, <laughs> and every episode I'm going to do a beverage try-on, and you're like, oh no, who have I become? I'm changing. I'm LA changing. has changed. No, but actually, no, I um I read another um another article about, um basically, I feel like this is something that like we all knew, but like hadn't really been confirmed until recently, which is that like, even alcohol consumption in moderation, like, is not good for you. And, like, yeah. your body just, like, like you just should not be drinking alcohol, period. And this isn't me being, like, I'm never going to drink alcohol again. But I do definitely want to be, like, a lot more mindful of, like, when I choose to. Um, and, like, making sure that, you know, I'm not, like, drinking in excess and, and, and things like that. So I'm I'm on a hunt to, like, find, like, functional beverages that, like 
I don't know, give me, give me the like internal feeling of like, ooh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, a girly in LA with my little cocktail, you know, mm-hmm. um, but that like isn't harming my body um so i i have a little i went i went to air one guys <laughs> and i bought three beverages and it was 16 dollars. <laughs> no one is surprised um but they're um the one i'm trying it's it's by the brand recess i think yeah it's by the brand recess and i've like seen it around i've always wanted to try it um i think this is pomegranate ginger i actually i threw the can out so i don't really know um but it's it's just it's supposed to have like adaptogens and like l-theamine and things and i might be mispronouncing that i don't know really quickly i feel like i have to say this um you might hear yelling (laughs) cue the yelling Uh uh-huh i live like this we're um so yeah, that's one disclaimer. If you hear like yelling or shrieking um, in the background, it's not my bunker; it's my neighbors um, who got the fucking almost got the cops called on them earlier today for um, needing assistance. So um, that's gonna be in the background. And also, so um, we're just gonna we're gonna dive on in. Mm-hmm. Um, we are gonna get into the ethics of true crime. And so I feel like disclaimers, we are going to be talking about a couple potentially triggering things. Shut the fuck up, Keely. <laughs> I say with love. Um, oh, actually, let me message her. Sorry. No problem. We're, we're going to see a movie after this. We're seeing Dungeons and Dragons. As to, to as a little lighthearted pick me up. Um, so yeah, we're um, in this episode, we're going to be dealing a lot with like potentially triggering topics, like obviously death, um, mentions of rape, uh, depending on the case, definitely some some gruesome stuff. So um, just like fair warning, that's kind of what we're going to be getting into before we kind of jump on in. Um, but yeah, this has been one of the, our, like my highly requested um, podcast episodes. Like, I think this was like what convinced me that I wanted to start a podcast in the first place is I'm like, I could go off on a whole podcast about the ethics of true crime. So this one's been on the, this one's been on the burner for a, for a fat minute and it's finally here. So buckle in, this one might be a bit of a long one. Um but yeah, we're just kind of going to go talk about it because true crime is just kind of such a giant part of culture right now. Um, and we're going to get into, I'll be honest, no pros, just cons in a, in a, in a good cop, bad cop kind of way. Ironically yeah. enough, good cop, bad cop kind of way for true crime. <laughs> Kaylin's definitely going to be nicer to you than I am. This is going to be where I am a bitch. <laughs> it's my um, bitchiest episode yet. In it. A- in case anyone was interested in my drink review. Oh my <laughs> god. Oh no, my no, god. No, it needed I'm it, it so was good. Sorry. No, it needed to be said. It needed to be said. Um it's it's good. It's good. I don't know if it's worth five dollars, but like I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. So I, I would recommend. I would recommend. Um anyway. Go yeah. first. I'm steamrolling you. No, you no, have to you're go fine, first, okay, you're fine. okay. Um so speaking of Colton Ryan, <laughs> he's had he's had a few um Oops. choice <laughs> casting so definitely definitely some choice roles um one of which is in the hulu limited series the girl from plainville um and if you are not familiar please do not watch it it's not good for ethical reasons for moral reasons um and also it's just like not great 
Um, but in, in, in case you're not like familiar with the case that it's about. So it's, it's a scripted limited series based on a case. Um, actually, I don't remember when it's from. I think it's from like 2016 or something like that. 2014, I thought. 2014, one of those years. Um, it's about a girl, Michelle Carter, um, and her like quote unquote boyfriend, Conrad Roy, um, who killed himself. And basically the whole case is that um, his parents were charging her with, um, I believe, manslaughter um, because they had found text messages in his phone where she was basically like encouraging him to do it and like encouraging him to um, to kill himself. So that's kind of what the whole case is about. And obviously... I think for a lot of people, it's very fascinating because you're like, oh, my God, how can this like teenager be so um, I'm going to use our favorite word insidious, um, be, be like so insidious to like push this, you know, this kid to, to you know, end his own life. Um, and I, I think in that way, it's it's very fascinating um, to a lot of people. But my issue um with I'm, I'm just specifically going to talk about the scripted series um there is a documentary about it as well um which came out before the scripted series which i will also talk about another scripted series that is based on a documentary which why why would we need that why would we need that um but the the show is really interesting i will say i i did watch the show um but it, it's really interesting because they add like a musical element to it, um, which if you don't know, Colton Ryan is like a Broadway star. Um, he he has pipes. He has pipes. Um, so he can of lay course, pipes. <laughs> so of course, of course, they have to have him singing in the fucking show, which is just so ridiculous and feels so insensitive. Um, and also the like families on, I believe both sides have kind of come out and been like, hey, what the fuck? Why are we making this? You want to hear a connection I just made, actually? Yeah. So another uh, movie, bad movie that Colton Ryan was in recently was he played um, Connor in the TV, uh, not TV, the movie version of Dear Evan Hansen. And in that show, they make a point of, oh, he's another kid who kills himself. Connor, Conrad, killed himself. It's typecast. Colton, you got to get out of here. Um and uh, in the in Dear Evan Hansen, um, his character kills himself and then Evan like kind of reinvents him. And, you know, then, you know, Colton Ryan sings a little song in Diddy, uh, being all happy and cheerful and whatever. And you're meant to take that away as like how ghoulish, how insensitive and monstrous that it is that you take in the in the storyline a dead kid and make them parade and show and dance and sing a song. How cruel and evil of Evan to do that to the family. And then months later, Colton Ryan is like, guess what? I'm playing a dead kid, except real life this time, dead kid song and dancing about his feelings and how he, <laughs> how his life is as a song and dance man. And I just kind of thought that that was fun. The complete lack of nuance. Yeah. Of self-realization of, of any of that from anyone. Yeah, that's a that's a lot to reflect on. <laughs> um, but of course, in the beginning of the series, as they do with all of these like scripted versions, is there like, you know, this certain elements have been um, exaggerated for like the case of, you, you know, to, to make it more entertaining. Um, and, and they put this disclaimer at the beginning of the episode or the movie or whatever. Um, but it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Because how are you as a viewer supposed to depict what is an accurate portrayal and what is not accurate? Um, and especially, I think for a lot of these cases, if you're not like 
deep into like the world of true crime and this might be your first introduction to this case so mm-hmm. like the girl from plainville i mean obviously it, it was kind of a, sensation, uh, a sensationalized case at the time but like if i don't know like if that's not something that you're into and you're just seeing it on hulu as you're scrolling through and you're like oh that sounds interesting you have no way to decipher what is accurate and what isn't mm-hmm. um and also with anything and obviously this happens with like journalism as well like there's going to be a bias towards anything um and with the girl from plainville they try and take it from an angle of um they they try and take a nuanced perspective where they're like hey you know this is also a teenage girl who was like struggling with her own things and she was trying to do what was right genuinely thought that she was helping him yeah and and so they're trying to take it from like more of her perspective but frankly it's like I I don't know if that's, like, someone who needs justice. (laughs) Like, I don't know if this, like, white, pretty, like, teenaged girl needs justice in that way. Where, and, and here's the thing, too. Sorry, this is a slight, like, tangent, but... I, I kind of hate when creators of shows like this, they will say that the reason they're making this show is like to bring awareness to the case. And they're making the show because they want to bring justice to someone who who they believe deserves it. Um, and I do think there are there are certain instances like where there have been like podcasts or there have been like um, certain articles that have come out about certain cases that have helped clearing people's names who who deserve it but in a scripted series it's just so obvious that that's not your like one intention yeah. because you're not making a, like you would just make a documentary yeah and, and and if you're making a scripted series you're obviously making it trying to make money trying to entertain people um and it, yeah it, it's just very frustrating in that way yeah it's like it, as if true crime isn't fictionalized enough yeah like, here comes hollywood with like you know like you were saying based on true events movies they don't say like at the bottom of the screen flashing like this is the fake part <laughs> maybe they should because media literacy is at zero but they like further blur that line between fantasy and reality and in, like as if serial killers and like high profile cases like this aren't given enough through like their reputation now they're starring in their own movies and limited series played by some of the most beautiful people on the planet with writers who take artistic liberties with timelines motivations quotes that they might have said scenes set design character analysis and forcing real events into like a coherent marketable storyline for audience consumption like well no the killer didn't say this in real life but in the movie he says it because it's like a really good line and it's like a callback to what his mom said in act one um do we have any proof that any of this was happening uh well no um is it backed by evidence kind of not important like whatever boom now the the movie's made and audiences who like you were saying don't care enough to do their own research after the fact will walk away thinking they watched essentially a documentary instead of a fictional movie true crime like like anything with real life um things will just kind of happen and they don't always funnel down into character motivations they don't always funnel down to like a coherent story because that's not what real life is Mm -hmm. but a movie you have to have a thorough storyline you have to have character arcs you have to have like everything happens because of something else like they didn't say this but we'll have them say it in the movie because it's a reflection of the vibe that we're going through like real life cannot be categorized and funneled into everything builds up to this big climax like it does for like a successful movie or limited series um yeah fictional fictional true crime i already hate true crime true crime fictional true crime is just like on top of the bad like blonde blonde can kiss my fucking ass for those who don't know um 
that was the Ana de Armas. Is that, is yeah, Ana de Armas. Um, movie about Marilyn Monroe that people thought, like my coworker thought it was a documentary um, or like based on true events. None of it was true. It was based on some book that some guy wrote about what he thinks Marilyn Monroe's life might have looked like without doing like a single one ounce of research. And like people were like, wow, that's such a, such a good biopic. And it's like, it's not a biopic. Biopics by themselves are already dramatized. This was just fake, but it was like marketed as a biopic. Mm-hmm. And like we already have so much misinformation out there. We really don't need. No, no. <laughs> the other series that I wanted um, to talk about is The Staircase. Um, are you familiar with The Staircase at all? No. Okay, so it was originally a docu-series um, that was released on Netflix. Um, it's actually, it's a really good docu-series. I really enjoyed watching it personally. Um, but it, it's about this guy, um, Michael, oh my God, sorry, where are my notes? Michael Peterson. Mm. Um, it's about this guy, Michael P- uh, Peterson um, in North Carolina, who is accused of killing his wife. Um, and it's called The Staircase because she was found at the bottom of their staircase, like bleeding out. Mm-hmm. He called 911. He like, you know, had everyone there. And then of course he was like, angled as the um murderer mm-hmm. <laughs> and murdered his wife um and and throughout the entire case like he maintains his innocence um but and it's kind of just one of those cases where like there's not enough evidence to really like like there are no answers even today there is a- there is no critical evidence that can prove one way or another whether he did or didn't do it mm-hmm. so most of the evidence that was brought up in um the trial was um oh shoot what's the word for it um circumstantial yes was 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 cir- cir- <clears throat> oh my god circumstantial circumstantial sorry circumcised <laughs> i'm almost said circumcised um it was circumstantial evidence um because there wasn't enough like physical mm-hmm. proof to prove one way or another mm-hmm. um so yeah there's there's a docu-series on it which goes through like the entire it goes through years of this guy's life because i think it happened in it was 2000 or 2001 mm-hmm. um is is when the case like originally happened and then it goes all the way through um i think like 2014 or something um because he he does end up being put in prison he he um gets he's found guilty in the original case um but then he tries to appeal his case multiple times because he's maintaining his innocence throughout the entire thing um and none of that goes through he's in prison for like over 10 years um, and then eventually he um, does an Alfred plea, which basically, hey, editing Kaylin hopping in um, because my explanation off the top of my head for what an Alfred plea um, is was incorrect. So to correct myself, an Alfred plea is a guilty plea where the defendant is acknowledging that the prosecution put forth enough evidence that would lead to a jury or a judge or whoever Um finding them guilty, like would, would persuade, persuade them to find them guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, but while maintaining their innocence. So it's basically like, I'm innocent, but I understand why the court would find me guilty given the evidence that was presented. Um, this is often caused by circumstantial evidence, which, so you, you can see why an Alfred plea 
made sense here. Um, okay, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> and um, because when he put the Alfred plea in, I think it was like he had to serve like eight years in prison or something like that. Um, but he had already served that time. So he got released right away. Um, so he is he is out of prison. Um, I'm not going to say like my personal thoughts on the case. Um, because again, like it's all speculation. Mm -hmm. Still to this day, there's no way to know one way or another, like what actually happened in the case. Um, but <laughs> last year, HBO um, decided to release a scripted series um, based off of the docu-series with um, Colin Firth, editing Caitlin again. I said Colin Farrell. I meant Colin Firth. Too many Colin Fs to keep track of. Sorry. And um, uh, Tony Collette. Oh. Yeah, so, which I'm like, love Tony Collette. Um, also love Colin Farrell. But, so, why did they do this? Why did they do this? Because the thing is, there's already a docu-series um, that shows you the entire case. It, sho it shows in the court. It shows, like, directly after. Like, it's, it, it's a, a very good docu-series. So why the fuck are we making a scripted series when you can just watch the documentary? Like, I, I truly don't understand. And... At this point, he's out of jail. He has already done the Alfred plea. Like, he's free. His family's good. Like, everything's good. There is no reason at this point in time to come out with a scripted series that further speculates on, like, what actually happened and what the certain things are. And and I, I will say the, the few things that the scripted series did add, there is a part of the case, there's, like, the owl theory, um, which is basically, like, she got attacked by an owl and that's how she ended up dying, which they don't talk about at all in the docuseries mm -hmm. um and there's an interview with um I, I believe the director of the docuseries and he does like kind of address it and he's like frankly i didn't think that like 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 i thought that it would kind of divert the attention away from like what we wanted the focus of the docuseries to be mm -hmm. um but again like he he's out of prison at this point like there's no like you're not clearing the name of an innocent man like you're not doing anything other than trying to create something for entertainment and trying to make money off of it um and actually uh peterson went on um the wrongful conviction podcast and talked about like the role of the documentary in his trial um and he criticized the hbo miniseries and called it an abomination stating that campos who's the creator trashed his family's life so clearly like he had no say in the scripted series he didn't approve the scripted series and, and like it is further traumatizing this family who has already gone through over a decade of this like they have been dealing with this basically their entire lives i think one of his daughters was like 14 when he was first in prison and like it, it, it was just, it's just like this whole thing and there's frankly no like there's just no reason for it yeah. i hate the way that like true crime overabundance can make you treat crimes this way like their movies like your brain is weirdly on the lookout for like the most gruesome crime ever like the most evil person that you can imagine uh true crime content is weirdly like a contest like one tiktoker posted video with the same it's always the same stupid evil stock music in the background of all of them to make it look scarier describing like guys this is the worst case i've ever heard and the comments will be like you think this is bad check out the the hello kitty murderer and then the comment will be like no no this one case kept me up for days guys check that out like these are just franchises trying to be the bestest most scariest mm -hmm. crime that you can imagine so far removed from reality to be using tragic and actually disgusting crimes like a competition of who can unnerve the viewer more like again guys real people that's gonna be a sentiment that i think is gonna be repeated a lot in this episode is like 
when you treat true crime just like it's another cog in the content machine, it can be so easy to forget that this isn't this this is real. These at least at one point, these were based on real actual people, and yeah, these serial killers can just become characters like fictionalized characters with sympathetic backstories and compelling motivations. That's how you get like serial killer merch merchandise like rugs painting t-shirts um i was thrifting in los angeles california at like rag stop right rag something rag stock rag stock or wait no that's like a chain um something jet rag jet rag and i was going through the t-shirts and they had a t-shirt with like um like mug shots of like serial killers on them with like fake blood splatters on them it had like you know was i there when you i think i I was i think you were so i remember you you showing that to me and it was just like why is this a thing it's how you get fans like how you get people with like favorite murders favorite crimes favorite murderers it's like they view jeffrey dahmer how they view pennywise or freddy krueger like just iconic horror horror faces to decorate themselves with to just be edgy Mm -hmm. and like that's how you know that you've treated you fictionalized true crime enough to the point where you think you can just like interact with it like you can interact with like the scream franchise and that's just so fucked it's so fucked speaking of favorite murders um i am a former my favorite murder like stan Mm. like i was obsessed probably for like two years Mm. um i was like really deep into true crime specifically like true crime podcasts um this was like really during like the height of the pandemic like i remember literally like 2020 like school had just shut down like you know everyone everyone was adjusting i was like at my parents house in um in illinois and i was just like sitting on the floor of my room and um doing my makeup and like listening to to true crime podcasts and that's just like what i did every single day um and oh my god did it have a psychological effect on me yeah um i really didn't start reflecting until like a year or two later um when because i was literally telling people like i remember telling my boyfriend at the time i was like oh i will never be able to trust you 100 um and that's just something that you are going to have to deal with um because i was so enveloped in this world of true crime where and and unfortunately this is the case where the majority of like murders that happen happen like in the home it's someone you know and it, and it's things like that but it was it like got to a point where it was affecting affecting my psyche where like i was so anxious and paranoid all the time and i was so distrustful of others that i really had to reflect and be like oh like this is not this is not good for my brain mm-hmm. um and i read an article on vice um, just talking about like true crime and mental health. Um, and there's a quote that I, I want to say a constant state of high alert paranoia and hypervigilance is helpful when we're trying to protect ourselves from threat in a genuine crisis. Jessica, um, Miss, Miss, Misono, I think Miss Mikono. I think maybe Mikono. I don't know. Um, a forensic psychology professor, professor at Regis University and co-host of the podcast Psychology After Dark. Um, but persistence, hy- persistent hypervigilance that stems from a diet of true crime can lead to increased overall stress. This increased stress can subsequently lead to stress-related illnesses, things like cardiovascular disease or hypertension. Um, so 
basically this prolonged exposure to true crime activates like our nervous system. Um, cortisol starts um, firing. That's like the stress hormone. And it causes like a physical effect on our bodies because our bodies can't really tell the difference between like something actively happening to us if if you are like listening to that constantly because if you're just constantly consuming like and he stabbed her a thousand times and it was so brutal and like like if you are like constantly consuming like brutal content like that your body is going to have a physical effect and your mind is going to have a physical or like an effect from that um and i like really noticed that and i had to take a step back from from true crime when i started realizing like how paranoid i was becoming um and he, this is kind of like something I have also had to reflect on because if you don't know, my favorite murder like brands itself as like a comedy true crime podcast. And which of course, like bringing levity to topics. We are like literally that. called point and laugh. We get it. <laughs> like, like bringing levity to hard to discuss topics, um, like makes it a lot easier to digest, but maybe, maybe certain topics should be hard to digest and don't need levity like all the way throughout it. And like, I will say, I, I do think they do like a fine job of, uh, you know, really like paying attention to like the victims and their families and like, obviously not um, like putting these like murderers in good light. Like they shit on them all the time and they're like, and this fucking loser, like, you know, there, there is some, like I don't know, pat on the back to them, I guess. Um, but like, there is a certain point where it's like maybe things just should be hard to talk about. Yeah, and maybe they need to be hard to talk about. Um, and of course, it is completely natural to have a fascination in the taboo or in the um, like dark parts of people's psyches. I, I think like most people find psychology really interesting. And I think especially like psychology of like serial killers and things like that, mm -hmm. or just like people who kind of like deviate from what we would consider like human nature is really interesting, but there is a way to like respectfully consume that con that content and to ethically consume that content. Um, and I think right now we are at a point in society where like we are so focused on the entertainment value and the money value that like telling these stories can bring that most of the times we tend to ignore our our own morals sometimes and, and we tend to ignore the effect that this might have on like these people's families mm -hmm. yeah like we've gotten to the point of desensitization where details of the most horrific shit you've ever heard are said like they're nothing just background fodder like you said to to put on while you clean your room or drive in your car like do your makeup put on a little you know rape and decapitation case before you go to sleep and I'm not pulling that satanic panic bullshit of being like, if you consume media that's bad, that means that you're intrinsically a bad person who likes when bad things happen to good people and that means you're evil. Like, you're right. Consuming true crime does not make you evil. I think it means makes you curious. It means you have a fascination with how people end up doing terrible things. You have a need to preserve and learn about people and there's nothing wrong with that. But there are insane 
dangers that can come from like casualifying crimes like this. It makes it so you're right, you're hyper aware of any possible dangers, convinced that you're next at all times, certain that everything and everyone is out to get you. And also it numbs you to the shock and horror of just the worst aspects of humanity. If something is too much for us to handle, it's in our human nature, our monkey brains to just shut it down, drown it out, minimize it so we can continue on with our day. Like the first time when you were a kid, you learned that you could stab someone to death. It's haunting. It's awful. That concept, like it scars you. It never leaves. It never goes away. It burns. But the 50th, 200th time you hear about someone getting stabbed to death or you see it on a movie or whatever, it's like nothing. You can just say like, oh yeah, and then they got stabbed with like the same inflection that you would about describing the weather. You're like, mm, I've heard of worse ways you could die. Did you hear this one time? This one murder? Neither. That can't be good. Just like... It like delving so deep into like the worst things that could happen to a human being, the worst, most painful ways that someone could die. Um, and just using it as like, um, like kitchen table conversation Mm -hmm. that can't be good either. And, um, you were saying earlier about like podcasts or whatever, like the most common argument that I hear from like true crimers, like they're like the victim deserves to have their story told. Like you were saying, right? Like, their story dying in obscurity is exactly what the killer and the police force want. But by us telling it and spreading their story, we can serve justice in our own way. And I want to unpack that for a second. <laughs> like, okay, yes, dying in obscurity is exactly what the police force want to happen. As with most of these true crime cases, the police force were either complicit, completely inept, or the cause for the crime in the first place, and it would serve them well for this to be buried, right? The killer also wants the victims to be forgotten because they want to be the ones that are remembered. And and that's the kicker, that's the problem. Those who drown themselves in true crime content, who consume it daily, which do you remember? Do you remember every victim's name? Can you differentiate their stories from each other? Um, Like, do you have encyclopedic knowledge of their lives as you do the killers? Usually no, because victims outnumber the perps like a hundred to one. Your brain cannot and will not remember the 10 victims, but it will remember the San Bernardino Strangler who specialized in killing this specific way. They killed 10 people from like 1975 to 1983 and his mother was a fucking florist and his father killed the family dog when he was seven. Because it's way easier to remember fun factoids about one person rather than 10 people, especially when that one person is the cause of interest in the case. So instead of spreading the victim's story as like they claim, they're just spreading the notoriety of the perp. You're making the perp to be this larger than life, inhuman monster who killed so-and-so woman and this and this man who gives a shit, which I would argue is doing exactly what the killer would have wanted. Like serial killers, mass shooters, these people thrive on the idea of infamy, that they're so much smarter than everyone. Their names will be known forever, that they'll be famous and their victims were nobodies that no one cares about. And by focusing so heavily on like the killer or the perp or whatever, you're doing exactly what they would have wanted you to do. You're not spreading the victim's story, you're spreading how they died. And I would argue this this isn't shining like the one thing they should be remembered for. Like how is mass producing like YouTube videos, TikToks, Instagram reels, podcasts about this one serial killer doing any sort of justice? How is that providing any clarity to the victim's lives, to their families, when you're essentially doing like a serial killer approved speed run of a PR campaign of how cool and epic and on and evil this one guy was? And I'm like, I would say this to something like um, my my little gotcha, because I know people in my life that are very pro true crime, whatever. I'm like, oh, cool. So tell me some fun facts about Tim McCoy. Like, what's his birthday, his childhood, his favorite meal, everything else, you know, that you seem to know about like serial killers and stuff. 
You can't, because Tim McCoy is just known as the first victim of John Wayne Gacy. You can learn all about how Tim McCoy died on his Wikipedia page. Like, and I get it. You know, like, why would you memorize people with normal lives? Like, Tim, he was just a guy. Why would you want to learn everything about some guy when his killer is someone so hauntingly fascinating? Like, John Wayne Gacy is the one with the fucked up mind, with the tragic backstory, with that gruesome killing method. How did he get away with it? Tim was just one small part in John Wayne Gacy's story. And that's where I get squeamish. Because victims of horrific crimes aren't unnamed background extras in a horror movie. They are real people. And the more you, like, brush them aside to make room for the interesting part, quote-unquote, of the crime, you treat them as disposable and as unimportant, which is actually a disservice to them and exactly what the killer himself probably wanted to believe. And if you wanted to tell the victim's story, tell their story, but don't tell the killer's story exclusively. And then people get mad at you, try to cover your tracks by pretending that you're doing anything for the sake of the victim or for the sake of their loved ones. Mm -hmm. And I think there definitely are like ethical ways to consume true crime. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I would say is like reading memoirs of either like survivors or like the uh, victim's families. Like there are tons of those out there. There's a book that I read, um, a couple months ago, but I, sorry, I I pulled it up on my Kindle because I couldn't remember the name, Um, but it's called If You Tell, um, and it's, actually, is it a, it might just be a nonfiction book, Um, but, but it's a story about this family, um, and particularly, like, this mother who was incredibly abusive, um, and did end up, like, killing multiple people, Um, and it's, it's a really, really fascinating story, and, the the author took interviews directly from like the family members from the victims from like the the mother's kids and and like talked to them and had their input on this book and it's it's great it's a it's a fantastic read um or obviously like documentaries that include the victims families one of my favorite docu series is called the pharmacist um and it's kind of about this this guy's son who gets murdered and he's like the main the the father is is kind of the the main person or like the main interviewee throughout the um docuseries but it also talks about like the opioid epidemic um and it talks about like it's 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 really really good i would recommend but i think things like that where you are directly involving either the victims themselves or like the family members of the victims um i think that is typically an ethical way to consume true crime obviously there have been cases where like the victims families were involved but then they were edited in a certain way or things like that like that it's it's very much a gray area which i think is what makes it so frustrating Mm -hmm. um and then something else i would also suggest if you're really into crime um is there are lots of really good like fictional series about things one of my favorite movies nightcrawler with jake gyllenhaal that's a really great one or like just throw in criminal minds i fucking love criminal Mm -hmm. minds you know yeah no for me um uh, Cause you were saying before that you were like a my favorite murder mm-hmm. uh, ex fan. For me, my thing was Buzzfeed Unsolved, mm. um, and my problem was like they would be like this case remains unsolved, and then I would go in the comments and try to solve it for them. Yeah, the, and that's when I was like, oh, should I need to take a step back? Step- oh my god, need to take need to step back. <laughs> Something is in the air today. I don't know why why we can't talk. <laughs> need to take a step back. Um, but for me, my uh, like gray area with absorbing true crime is um if it's like an active like bringing down a corrupt force like um 
uh, keep sweet, pray and obey is a great one Mm -hmm. just because like it, it gives you insight into a world that, um, you never knew about before. That's still ongoing. That's still going on. Um, and those, the victims actively are begging for people to listen to them so they can Mm -hmm. help bring down a certain subset of the, um, Orthodox Mormon church down. Mm -hmm. Um, those are really good. Um, or like, um, true crime where it's like um like a succession type of drama where it's like companies and espionage and whatever almost like victimless yeah crimes. oh my god i love um mcmillions that's another really good um i i think it's just a documentary i don't think it's docuseries but it's on hbo um and that's about the um mcdonald's monopoly mm-hmm. um like scandal that one's really good would recommend yeah so like there's definitely like crime is obviously like a huge spectrum of things and um like i think the there's there's nothing wrong again with being curious about like the cover-ups and this goes all the way to the top and you know the super dramatic documentaries about you know survivors and, and going through something like that but i think like down to like you know Jack the Ripper. Humanity has loved to sensationalize a good bad guy. And I think that's when you run into like the big problems, especially like a lot of the our tendencies to, you know, favor clicks over um, actual moral standards is a lot of those like a lot of true crime content built like they build these killers up to be these again these larger than life unstoppable killing machines because that makes for good content not because of how accurate it actually is to the facts of the case like one of the things that pissed me off the most is people are like how did this genius serial killer possibly outsmart the entire police force okay well first of all he was a white man and he was killing people that society considered disposable and who no one would believe even if they did escape um like people of color, LGBTQ people, sex workers, drug users, homeless, like like people that even if they did somehow escape, um, they would just be like, help, help, this white man is trying to attack me. And they'd be like, okay, um, jail. Like, <laughs> I just straight up won't believe you. And also, um, oh no, how did a, a small town in Wisconsin in the 80s and the police force were high school dropouts and the department had no budget? How did he get away with it? It wouldn't take much. <laughs> It's like, ooh, Ted Bundy was this charming and attractive babe who nobody suspected as a killer. And I'm going to quote a tweet because, again, like, tweeters are so much more precise than me. Well, fuck me. (laughs) Yeah. Precise than me. Oh, Promise? Um, Succinct? Yes. It's like, reminder that Ted Bundy wasn't some sexy man that women couldn't resist. He literally pretended to be injured and asked for help, and women are fucking kind. And his victims should be remembered as kind people who weren't stupidly overwhelmed by his charm or some shit. And like, yeah, just because Ted Bundy had a fan club at the trial doesn't mean he was this suave, sexy man, just swatting tail left and right. According to some contemporaries, he was actually just an unnerving guy that people kind of just tolerated, and they were like, oh, what, that guy? All that, those crimes? He's just a guy. Um, they're like, no, Jeffrey Dahmer has to be played by this heartthrob actor and Ted Bundy needs to be played by Zac Efron because that's the thing. Serial killers are like attractive and charming and that's how they all get away with it. Okay, well, no. Again, we established they get away with it because they're white men killing people that, you know, no one cares about. And the myth that Ted Bundy got away with it because he was attractive and women just couldn't help themselves but fall at his feet was something that he came up with when he was representing himself at the trial. He's like, hey, look at me. I mean, I'm a fucking... I'm, I'm a piece of ass. Like, um, so I refuse to agree with anything Ted Bundy mm-hmm. ever said. 
And this idea that like this attractive everyman is a secret killer, that makes for a really exciting character for a movie. But it's shit when it comes to genuinely portraying the person that these people actually are. Mm-hmm. And again, like casting attractive actors to play evil people doesn't help the fandom learn how to behave itself, by the way. Like you didn't cause the fire of people like lusting after killers, but you weren't exactly putting it out. No, either. absolutely not. And it's like, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording where like, obviously with Hollywood, like, Unfortunately, the case is most successful actors are going to be attractive Mm -hmm. because that's just like how Hollywood works. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know, there's that thing where it's like, are they intentionally uh, casting attractive people or are like, is the pool just attractive because it's Hollywood? But it's also like, we don't have to be making these scripted series. Like, we really do not. We do not need another fucking Dahmer, like, limited series. We don't. Like, that just doesn't need to happen. No one was asking for this. If you're that interested in the case, there are, I'm sure, plenty of documentaries about it. I'm sure there's plenty of podcasts about it. I'm sure there's plenty of articles and books about it. Like, there's so many other ways to consume. I don't know why the, like, like, obviously the ethics of true crime, like, bleeds into all of those areas that I just mentioned as well. But, like, the scripted shit really gets to me it really gets to me because there's just like there's literally no purpose for it there's there is no place for it but it continually happens Mm -hmm. sorry okay off my little soapbox i'm I'm gonna go on a tangent that you think is gonna be unrelated but it's gonna come back (laughs) classic writing an english essay style (laughs) so um ed gein ed gein was the famous serial killer who made furniture lampshades out of his victims who all reminded him of his mother so that, that's him. And the press at the time made it a point to paint Ed Gein out to be this feminine, gender-confused man, a sexual deviant, potentially gay, maybe even trans. And none of this ended up being true about him, by the way. He was um, psychoanalyzed after the case, and he was found to be very straight, uh, hyper-masculine, and resented women, just like most serial killers do. But it was the 50s, and the 50s were very concerned about maintaining those strict gender roles and not having anyone question these very constricting definitions of what masculinity was. So they had to come up with another reason for why he did what he did. It couldn't be that he was hyper-masculine. No, it, it was because uh, he wanted to be a woman, actually. Uh, he, he, he was feminine. And, and gay. And gay. Oh, maybe. Question. Um, and actually, I have a quote. Um, according to Richard Tithicott, author of Of Men and Monsters, Jeffrey Dahmer and the Construction of the Serial Killer, quote, we fail to read the serial, serial killer accurately because he's an embodiment of society's dominant values. As a culture, we are so unable to admit or recognize the connection between our dominant forms of masculinity and violent misogynistic crimes that we must attribute some other kind of motive to them besides masculinity. End quote. And so for Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, Ed Gein, and now the most recent Nashville school shooter, the reasoning is that they were gay. And that has some inherent evil to it. We don't want to talk about the fact that maybe it's just a culture of violence that breeds these evil people. It's like, oh, it's because uh, gay, trans, something else. Um, And that statement that like the author said about how society makes these killers and then panics and then assigns another reason to why these crimes must have happened is such a rife problem with true crime content. It's how statements, you know, like, the Columbine shooters only shut up the school because they were bullied go so widespread. Like, in actuality, the Columbine shooters shot up the school because they were Nazi idolizing cruel white kids who felt like making a statement and felt like going out with a bang. Like, Eric and Dylan, the two boys, left behind notebooks of their manifestos with 
horrific shit about women, people of color, gay people, people with disabilities, so on and so forth. But like they couldn't blame hypermasculinity and minority hating as the reason for why they did what they did because it was 1999 and we as a society just weren't ready to tackle that and get to the root of the problem and like hold up a mirror and be like, oh no, maybe it us. Um, so they came up with this idea that they were bullied. And I mean, like, they weren't very popular, probably due to that, you know, being Nazis thing. No one really <laughs> wanted to hang out with them, but they weren't, like, outwardly bullied. Mm-hmm. But when they were shooting up the school, they wore black trench coats while they did it. And sometimes they were, like, li- they would listen to Marilyn Manson. So for, like, uh, immediately following the Columbine shooting, goth kids were like, you're going to shoot up the school if you're goth. Um, and then came the idea that they were bullied because they were goth. Which, two things, it's really easy for, like, people in power to be like, yeah, they were bullied because they were goth. Because they're like, because I would bully goth kids. Makes sense that goth people are being bullied. Um, And, like, people came to my school in elementary school and middle school and told us that it was up to all of us to end bullying lest we all get shot. Rachel's Challenge, were you familiar with that? that, Is that something that they had you do at the school? No. Um, Explain it. Rachel's Challenge, it ended up being, like, an evangelical... um, Oh, (laughs) And, like, I kind of felt bad. So Rachel was one of the first victims of the Columbine shooting. And her family, out of grief, decided to turn this into, like, a teaching moment of, like, always treat people with kindness. And it turned into, like, weird, like, religious propaganda. Like, she was reading her Bible on the front steps. And they asked her if she believed in God. And she said yes. And then they shot her, like, through her I've Bible. I've heard that, yeah. Um, and not true, by the way. All of that ended up being bullshit. Her or like classmates were like so that didn't happen they just started shooting and she just happened to be there yeah. um but they made a whole point of like who knows if you know those two boys had friends would they have done what they had done maybe you should befriend people who are different oh. and like and because then um I, I, gun control is too much of a <laughs> realistic solution right so but bullying that like stopping bullying you can funnel that into a different solution right that's something that actually could have legs that isn't gun control Mm -hmm. um i feel like i've said this before in another episode but i'm gonna say it again um because i i hate that argument where it's mm -hmm. like well if people were just nicer then like maybe they wouldn't have maybe they wouldn't have done that and it's like maybe they were fucking weirdos and people could tell so they isolated them Mm -hmm. because they're like bro this kid is a creep like it doesn't just come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. That's, and also, that's all I have to say. this narrative that bullied kids have enough one day and just shoot up the school is a lie. The actual truth is that the bullies shoot up the schools because their usual power of like intimidation and getting the, their way isn't working. But the fact that, you know, we can just tell ourselves that the bullied kids shoot up the schools is like a convenient lie to tell ourselves so we don't feel responsible for why all these crimes keep happening and so those like that in that same vein people that go like uh 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 ted bundy was successful not because he was a white man hurting hurting women and he was buddy buddy with the police force he he was a mad genius and and hot so hot (laughs) that women just like couldn't help but like be killed and so smart that like no cop could possibly keep up with him Honestly, you'd think that, like, for a lot of the true crime fan base, they'd be, like, also anti-cop. And they're, like, there's such a large subset of true crime people that are still pro-cop. And I'm like, why? How? In almost every single true crime case, the the police force shat the bed. What are you... And, um, more... Just gonna be never-ending soapboxes for me. I'm just gonna keep stepping up my ladder of soapboxes to make a soapbox ladder. (laughs) 
But pouring yourself into true crime also encourages this idea that if you do enough research, you know, from the quote unquote research, if you like absorb all the facts from like previous crimes that you can hear, then if you're ever in danger, you'll know what to do. And that's another like big argument. Like I ask um, my mom is into true crime and she's like, cause then I want to be prepared. And first of all, that again, leads you into a constant state of like prepping yourself for the inevitable time you get kidnapped. Uh, which don't ever put yourself on high alert on the unavoidable case of you getting, you know, kidnapped and whatever. Almost like you're weirdly looking forward to it. Uh, I hate that. But also, like, I hate this idea that you'll have, like, that you're learning from mistakes mm, of the victims. Mm-hmm. And, like, that implies that, like, all the victims in these true crime, you know, acts just weren't smart enough or well-prepared enough to figure out how to save themselves. That they weren't as knowledgeable to save themselves as you, you know, are trying to make yourself. Like, they didn't see the red flags that you see. And that just itches this, like, victim-blaming itch in my brain, and I literally cannot fucking stand it. It's also, like, if that were truly the case, like, you would be taking self-defense classes. You wouldn't be, like, watching true crime on Discovery Plus, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, like, because first of all, no, it's so cruel of you to imply that, like, the reason that bad things happened to people before you was just because they were... Almost, like, I'm not saying, like, true crime people, like, yeah, they deserved it. I don't think anyone's flat out saying that, like, the victims of true crime deserve it or, or anything. But I think there's this underlying thing of, like, this is why, this is why you need to know everything. Because she didn't know what to do. And that's why, you know, she was, she was killed. Because someone wanted to kill her. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you sit there and think of every possible fun fact about how to escape a serial killer or a stalker or a kidnapper or whatever, if you study up on every tip and trick about every what-if scenario that you can come up with after watching whatever, that doesn't mean that you'll be the one to escape should something bad happen to you. It's like, it's a power fantasy. In a world, especially with true crime or in the world in general, where women have no power, you can imagine scenarios where you're the victim and then you win. You beat the bad guy. It's that same like stupid Rambo complex that gun guys have, where it's like they sit around praying that they'll be around for a mass shooting so that they can be the hero that they've trained so hard to be. Like they can be the one that goes full fucking die hard and takes out the bad guy with like music blazing and their fucking tank top will rip and like show how strong you are. And you can be the one that, you know, knocks the shooter back and you'll get the plaque and whatever. And like, for this, like, you imagine that you're the one kidnapped, thrown in the trunk, and then you you remember how to unlock a trunk from the outside because that was shown in an episode of something that you like. And you remember that trick of getting yourself untied from duct tape. And then you remember exactly the speed of the car that you can fling yourself out of the truck for you to survive, and then you know who to go to and whatever, and then you get away. You survive. That's nearly normal, you know, inventing those main character scenarios. Who among us hasn't planned their own funeral? That's normal. You know, being the center of attention and, you know, you were strong, you survived. That's normal. But, like, I feel like putting people, real people, who endured, like, unspeakable just fear and pain as fodder for your, like, I'm not going to be like those other girls mentality is so fucking gross. Mm-hmm. And in general, like uh, advice for for me, because again, like my my BuzzFeed Unsolved brain was like, this is the advice that I needed to hear as an ex true crime absolver myself. Like, 
True crime isn't a puzzle for you to solve. Unsolved mysteries aren't an excuse for you to play Nancy Drew and treat these actual events like it's a game of Clue. Like, I've solved the Jean Benet Ramsey case. No, the fuck you have not. You, with the information that you have on the internet and too much fucking free time, did not solve one of the most famous cold cases in the world. You think detectives with actual classified documents and real interviews with actual suspects who have studied this case for years were just not thinking of a solution that Brianna from Iowa came up with on a Thursday afternoon, binge watching Criminal Minds. I assure you they have. And like, I know, you know, police force is going to be all corrupt and this might go all the way to the top and it's all a conspiracy to cover it up and outside eyes might be necessary. But what does that mean that you have to be those fresh eyes? And yeah, most of honestly, like, it's so weird because again, we live in a capitalist society where everything has to make money and everything has to be entertainment and drawn out. And it's just so weird to treat like genuine tragedies as another content farm machine. And I think like genuinely though, there's a lot of gray areas. My stomach for true crime is just gone. It's like, this is going to sound like a flex. It's not, but um, my family and I have been to Paris and I saw the catacombs of Paris and it was one of the most haunting experiences of my life. Seeing rows and rows of bones, I like started crying because it's just like your brain cannot imagine or like even it, it can't handle that amount of death and like just shoved in front of you. And my tour guide that I was with, like, they couldn't handle it either. So what they did was they started laughing. And they started making jokes about, like, oh, uh, like, one guy was, like, missing a femur. And he's like, oh, where's he? Like, they sort of started laughing because they were so desperate for levity that they just, like, just started laughing at, must have been, like, hundreds of thousands of dead dead bodies just, like, staring at them right in the face. And since that moment, like, my actual stomach for true crime has just, like, gone so shit. And I just, I can't handle it. And I can't, that's it. This this is a mean one. I can't laugh. Like the point and laugh episode where Skylar cannot laugh because <laughs> I'm just so tired. And I hate saying this because then I'm like, I feel like I'm going full Shane Dawson and be like, it's because I'm an empath. But like, they just must have, the victims just must have been so scared. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. so, so terrified and so in pain. And I can't imagine someone being like, yeah. And that serial killer is fucking cool and hot, right? no. No, they weren't. And you all are such fucking losers. <laughs> anyway, that's it. That's that's that on that. Yeah, I. I don't have much. I don't have much else to say. It, it's just. I feel like when I first approached this topic, I was kind of like, okay, like where where can we draw the line of like what is ethical and what isn't ethical like true crime consumption and like i th- i don't think this episode is to be like if if you are a consumer of true crime to be like you need to stop now yeah because as we said before like it's completely natural to like have a fascination with that mm-hmm. but i think to be a mindful consumer is just kind of the best thing that you can do and like to really be critical of the content that you're consuming and the way in which they are framing their victims and framing um the the murderers or you know what whatever the case may be like i i just think above everything else and i feel like we could say this in almost every single episode just be a like critical thinker and be critical of the content that you are consuming and honestly be critical of yourself in in not in a way of like being over, overly critical and like you know destroying your self confidence but like be critical of like 
why am I so interested in this? And, like, mm-hmm. why am I finding enjoyment out of, like, for example, like, My Favorite Murder, like, you know, laughing at through through the tellings of these, like, horrific cases. And I think just having that self-reflection of, like, oh, you know, it's because... I am really interested in like the psyche of of these killers and things like that. And then it's like, okay, well, maybe if that's what I'm interested in, then maybe I can do more like, maybe I can do research and read like scholarly articles Mm -hmm. on like, you know, investigating like the psyche of of criminals and things like that. Like, I, I, I don't know, I think just be like, yeah, just be a critical thinker and and mindful of the content that you are consuming, especially I would say especially on TikTok and yeah. social media just because like those algorithms are intentionally trying to get your attention and get your focus. Um and if you watch one little TikTok about like a certain case, your entire for you page is then going to be that and then that's all you're going to be consuming and it's just going to be an echo chamber and like not great. Stay sexy and mindful. Yeah, just be mindful. Stay stay sexy and be mindful. Like, um, I know this is a closing out, but my one of my least favorite things that my favorite murder does is they end every session with, like, don't die or, like... Stay sexy and don't get murdered. Yeah, like, oh, I'm on it. Like, yeah. it's up to me to not get murdered. I will say this is a personal little anecdote that I don't think I said on the pod. You know about this, but th- this was, like, a month or two ago or something where um, we were hanging out. I don't even remember... And, um, some, it was like raining and some random guy like approached my car and was like telling me this whole story. Basically he just needed money. He was like, I need money to, for gas so that I can get home. He was like, I just got robbed, blah, 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 blah. And I, frankly, even if that was true, it wasn't, it wasn't. And I got scammed out of a hundred dollars, but it's fine. Even if that was true, he should not be asking me. A grown man should not be approaching a young girl alone in her car at night Mm -hmm. asking for help. He should be approaching someone similar in age, similar in size. You know, like Mm -hmm. there are certain instances where it's like, listen, man, I'm sorry. Even if that is the fucking case, like that's not for me. That's not for me to fuck with. You know, like you need to find someone who like... I, I don't know. It, it's like so who who can more appropriately like deal with the situation it's like, than a my, fucking twenty two year old alone in her car. If my tire popped, I'm not gonna be like you, seven year old boy. Yeah, like <laughs> like I don't know. And I was I was too fucking nice. I believed his story and I gave him a hundred bucks. And thank God, nothing worse happened. I just mm-hmm. got scammed out of money. Like whatever, it's fine. I you know I I'm surviving. But like I. Even after all of the fucking true crime content that I have consumed, it did not prepare me for that moment. And, like, mm-hmm. obviously nothing that bad, like, happened. But, like, it could have. Like, when you're in situations like that, like, you just don't know what's going to happen. And even though I had consumed all of this true crime media, like, prior to this, none of that knowledge helped me in that situation. Because in that situation, you're just panicked. And you're like, mm-hmm. what What the fuck is going on? You're confused. Like, it's just... 
Yeah. yeah. That's all. There's, That's just, there's something oddly romantic about, like, um, theoretical victimhood mm. for, for, I don't know why. Um, definitely need to unpack that, but I'm not a psychologist, so. Eh. And, yeah, but you're right. It's something, it's like planning your own fun- funeral. It's like imagining this romantic victimhood permanently where you're like, oh, God, and then, you know, what if that happens to me? And there's just something oddly, like, compelling about that. And then it actually happens to you. And then suddenly it's uh, that nothing, nothing about that is good. Nothing about that is kind. And yeah, I just feel like, I don't know. I just, I, I stopped before I lost my empathy. Yeah. I'm too much of a big baby bitch. I can't lose that. Um, yeah. And that's why I can't do horror movies even. Like, no. I, I know when we, we went and saw um, John Wick 4, was mm-hmm. it 4? Had not seen any of the, the John Wicks before. <laughs> John Wick for the Wickening. But it was like, I literally, that's a fucking fictional thing. And there's comedy throughout. Like I, the thing is I watched that and I was like, I can understand how the like brutal stabbing of this like one guy, I can understand how to a certain audience, like that's funny. But to me, I literally like, I felt sick because I just do not, I just don't do well with like gore in Mm -hmm. general and like violence. Um, And if you don't know, the entire fucking movie is violence they're all assassins everyone is trying to kill each other and everyone is killing each other and it just was not a movie that i should have watched frankly um and even just like watching fictional like gore like that where i know that it's fake like in my mind i know that it's fake Mm -hmm. but even just watching it i'm just like because that's my trick too is like i watch something even like if something's cringy going on on my on my tv i'm just like it's not real like you can't be scared. It's not real. Like nothing about this. Nothing about this is real. Like it's fake. They're all actors. You can't do that with true crime. I can't be like it's not real because it is, and it did happen, and that life is now gone through like a very gruesome and awful way, and potentially an unsolved way. Mm-hmm. And there's just yeah. If I want to be unsettled, I'll go like go see watch a playthrough of the Walton Files. Mm-hmm. I'll go see the fucking Five Nights at Freddy's movie. I won't stop and really talk about the most infamous serial killers of the 70s because then I'll just start wanting to throw up. Yeah, I was listening um, to prep for this episode. I was listening to Binchtopia. They have an episode on on true crime, obviously. Um, and I say obviously, they, they have episodes <laughs> on everything. That's why I said that. Anyway, um, but one of them said something like, not, I don't, I, like, uh, I feel like a lot of these podcasters or like internet sleuths or whatever, they're like, oh, we're trying to like bring justice to the family. Like we're doing this for the family. But it's like, did the family ask you to do that? Is the family in fact begging you to stop? Yeah. Like sometimes people just want to move on. Sometimes people don't need an answer. Sometimes people just want to move on from this horrific event that has happened in their lives and remember their family member or friend or whoever in a positive light. And they don't necessarily need it to be solved in order to get that closure. Oh God, they don't necessarily need like, yeah, TikTokers and influencers going up to the house of where the murder took place to get like footage and pictures and take selfies of the murder house. People are DMing them and and, like, it's just like out of pocket shit. That murder that happened like three months prior and then three like this murder happened three months passed and then people were trying to like take selfies in front of the home i'm like that this isn't even a year you're just taking selfies in front of an active crime scene no people i i don't know get a grip get a grip guys like we just had a a whole episode about the beauties of fandom don't you Uh want to do a fan base on something that's uh, the good yeah yeah (laughs) 
that everyone's oh, oh my involved God. with? Oh, what happened? Sorry, my knee jerked and I shook the entire table. <laughs> um, anyway, we have a movie to attend. We have to go see a fictional fantasy movie that is not at all based on true events. And that's not that's not sarcasm. We're seeing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> um, I'm just emphasizing it because of what we... It's not funny if I explain it. Anyway, it was never funny. Maybe it just was never funny. Maybe that's, maybe that's what's happening. <laughs> but anyway... We have a very busy schedule ahead of us, so we must we must go. Um, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube if you want to see a little video version and see our our pretty little faces. Pretty little faces, I love. Um, yeah. Bye. Bye, Bye. besties.